The most important thing is that you have a vision, that you have a goal. Because without that vision and without that goal, again, you're drifting around and you're never going to end up anywhere. People don't become successful just by accident. You're going to get your ass kicked, we're going to get the shit kicked out of us. You got to get up, you got to have faith that the one thing you wanted to happen, oftentimes is the best thing that never happened. So have faith, just keep that in mind, keep plugging away. Never accept the limitations of someone else. Somebody told you that it's impossible. Don't even try. Give up before you even fucking try it for yourself. Never accept the goddamn limitations that someone else has placed upon you. And now, fitnessinformant.com presents the Iron Union Podcast. Let's go. Everybody, welcome inside the Fitness Informant HQ, the podcast studio here. The Iron Union podcast is back and coming at you with a very special episode. NFL season kicks off on Thursday. It is Tuesday. This podcast should be dropping Tuesday evening. I have former NFL stud, Super Bowl champion, play with the Packers, play with the Vikings, play with the, the uh, Miami Dolphins. Two touchdowns scored in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers, in which he won a ring with the Green Bay Packers, catching passes from who many consider the greatest quarterback of all time, Aaron Rodgers, the one and only Greg Jennings, popping into the Iron Union podcast. Why Greg Jennings? Well, it's interesting. A, I love personalities, and Greg Jennings, uh, he talks about it on the podcast with me, uh, is a personality, whether you want to admit it or not. He has been there. He has done that. And on top of that, he has transitioned into the world of bodybuilding. So post-NFL career, he's retired NFL wideout, does some uh, uh, TV, some, some analysis for the NFL, now in men's bodybuilding. He has, does natural men's physique. He had his first show a couple weeks ago, took the first overall on that, had a show this past weekend down in Mexico City, Mexico, won the Mr. Universe for men's physique. So he is transitioned well out of professional football. Now found a new love for bodybuilding, so I thought, hell, this would be an amazing guy to have on the podcast. I met Greg um, a couple months back at the Twin Cities Open. It's a, it's a bodybuilding show here in Minneapolis. Fit Butters was at it. Uh, he came up to our booth. He tried some of our butters and immediately fell in love with it, and we struck up a, a conversation, a friendship, and then you know we've been working on trying to get him on the podcast here for a little bit. It just worked, just so happened to work out. He came back from Mexico City yesterday, texted me, said, hey, Ryan, let's do this. Uh, went to our gym, Los Campeones in Northeast Minneapolis here, sat down up in the posing room. Uh, so if you, the background noise, the gym noise, like that's, we're in the gym, um, you know, obviously. So that that's kind of a cool backdrop for it. It may make it a little bit difficult to hear certain parts of the conversation. So I want to apologize in advance for that. But it's a great conversation. We talk NFL football. We talk training and diet within the NFL world. We then talk about, you know, his, his, the athletes he played with. And then we talk about the transition into bodybuilding and what that means for him. So it's a 55-minute conversation, raw, unedited, a great conversation in which we talk about literally um, pretty much everything. And uh, I enjoyed it very, very much. So I'm going to sit back, toss it over to, uh, to the, the be great professional athlete, the be great Mr. Universe men's physique, the one and only Greg Jennings. Adding my product is going to help you get to where you want to be. Five percenters is five percent of the people in the world that are willing to do whatever it takes to reach their goals. Come on, 
we're talking about business, success, education. We're willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. For the last two decades, we have been the best kept secret of the supplement industry. We've kept our heads down and worked. We pioneered full label transparency and full therapeutic doses because we believe that truly hard work requires truly effective tools. Two decades is a long time to commit to one pursuit, but when you act with purpose and become centered in yourself, eventually you realize that you were born and bred for this. The things you once thought impossible, you now do every day. We don't like the easy way, just doesn't feel right. We'll take the long, hard road over a shortcut any day. It takes longer, sure, but in the end, you know you earned it. And with the right team behind you, pushing yourself further than you've ever been will be just another afternoon doing what you love most. listening at home if you're watching you kind of understand maybe where we're at but if you're listening and you hear some stuff in the background we're not in the war zone we're at Los Campeones Northeast here in Minneapolis it's my boy Greg's home gym my home gym you're still in the Midwest yes and we, we talked about this when I when we a month ago and I said you have an opportunity to go anywhere you want and you stay in the Midwest you're a Midwest boy I am why'd you stay um a lot of reasons uh, life happened sure but uh, my wife has our boutique right down North Loop, in the House of Fashion. Uh, and then my kids got entrenched in schools and hobbies yeah. and all the extracurricular. And life has a way of kind of unfolding yeah. and unveiling itself in front of you. And you kind of just have to roll with the punches. And being from the Midwest, everyone runs up. Everyone who comes in wants to run away from the cold. But I learned to embrace it, like ski. Yeah. Like be a part of the code versus just fighting it. So for me, that was the only reason why I would have left. But it's a part of who I am. I don't, right. I don't run from it. I mean, from a guy who spent time in Green Bay, the coldest stadium in football, right. uh, to Miami, one of the warmest climates in football, uh, I guess you got an opportunity to experience both climates. And I want to talk a little football today, but mostly about what you transition into post football life, because I think that's super important. Uh, but let's, let's talk football to start off. Make the NFL people happy because the season kicks <laughs> off this weekend, sure. uh, which is which is crazy. Give me your take on how last. How do you think last year would have been for you as a pro athlete playing in empty stadiums across the country? It would have been challenging. It's it's almost like you prepare your. Let's bring it back to the bodybuilding world. Yeah, you prepare all off season. And you know how gruesome, how grindy that is. And then you get on stage, like a lot of us had to. There's no one out there to cheer you on. There's no one out there to truly appreciate the work that you put in to kind of give you that, that adrenaline that is so necessary. You have to fabricate all of that on your own. So as a player, you feed off of that energy from stands, 
from from the fans yelling, whether for you or against you, you that fuels you to perform at a higher level. And so for what the guys were able to do across the league, man, I commend all of them because it would it would have been challenging, and a lot of them expressed how challenging it was. But they also got to see we got to see how much it means to them. And when you're committed to something. You don't need anybody to really cheer you on. Right. You don't need anything to motivate you to get up to perform. And that's what we saw last year. How much do you miss it? I don't. I, I knew they were going to say that. I don't know I why. Don't. I don't know why, but I figured you were going to say that. Why don't you miss it? 80,000 people surround you in the state. Lambeau Field, or if it's here in Minneapolis, or Miami, or college. Because college is a different atmosphere. It is. Why don't you miss it? So, there's elements about it that I absolutely love. I will always cherish. But... For me, football was a part of what I did. It was never who I was. And so when I went to work and performed, whether it was practice, game, I went, I locked in, I literally was present from the moment I got there to the moment I left. And then I unplugged because of my wife, my kids, and their interest. And I always tried to not lose focus of that and allow what I did to completely spill over and kind of bleed into who we were as a family, what they wanted to do, their interests. I had to learn how to balance that early. And so for me, when I made the transition, it wasn't hard because I had always learned to unplug myself from that aspect of life. Um, although it was very important to what we were doing financially, all of those things. So. I learned to appreciate it for what it was and not allow it to become more than what it needed to be. How did your what was the biggest moment in your life? Like what changed the most when you obtained fame for the first time and a little bit of money? Like how hard was it for you to stay humble, to stay dedicated to your family versus going after temptation, which in that case, a lot of young college kids come you know, 22 years old. They're getting tossed a paycheck, they're getting put on ESPN, my night football. You can develop a little really quick. You can steer from the right path. How did you stay on the right path? Um, what I've learned, I'll answer it kind of in reverse. I learned that I would, I would, I'm just not a person that is arrogant. Sure. Um, I'm confident. There's an inner confidence, yeah. but I just don't have that. My personality is not arrogant. Like, I don't. I don't put myself on a pedestal. I've never been that person. And I used to believe that I had to fend that off. Yeah. When in all actuality, it's just not who I am. Right. So I thought it was going to be a challenge, but it never really was. It was always something I gave more attention to than I needed. Yeah. And so what it did for me is I suppressed a lot of things. I, I kind of downplayed my level of play, the fame, all of that. I downplayed who I was as Greg Jennings because I was always literally pumped into my head. Don't get the big head, don't change, don't let this change you. And so I always was leery of, okay, this next move, this next kind of level that I've gone to, can't, I can't get the big head. People are gonna think that I'm changing. And in all actuality, just not me. Sure. And so I learned that late. Yeah. Literally, probably after I retired, but 
Um, it never was for me to to really feel myself, to really pump myself up and make it appear that I'm better than you, yeah. or I need to be out front, move out of the way. Like that was never who I was. So I never really truly had to battle it. I just consciously, because all as athletes, literally all we hear is, man, this guy is he's selfish, or yeah. he's this, or he's gonna get the big head if he did. And you kind of guard against that. And yeah, so I never really, I never really had to battle it. I had to battle the opposite. Yeah. Stop okay. making it seem like you're not who you are, or your level of play doesn't allow for you to be excited, be proud of what you've accomplished. I literally used to dummy that down. I used to wash it off the plate every single time. Somebody would give me a compliment, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And it's like, I literally just, because of what the field that I'm in now, I just started learning how to appreciate success and literally be okay with celebrating my wins. Yeah. Like, it, it sounds crazy, but all my life, all my football career, I never truly celebrated my wins. So even the Super Bowl season? Even the Super Bowl season. Back to season, work back, it was, That was the mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like 24 hours. You celebrate that success and on to the next thing. Yeah. But you fail, you have a mistake, and it's like you gotta you gotta sit through it. What happened? What could I have done different? You let, allow that to linger, that has so much more longevity of live time than your successes because naturally we achieve something, we move on to the next. Yep. Because we don't want to become complacent, we don't want to become stagnant. We don't want to seem like we're comfortable, you know what I mean? But you have to learn how to appreciate, I have to learn, I had to learn how to appreciate success. Trash talking. I've seen a couple clips, and I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, my whole family's Packer fans, all my friends are Packer fans. Yeah! So I literally would be forced, now I grew up a Niner fan only because Tech Mobile. I get off the bus, I play Tech Mobile, right? Like, so uh, I grew up a Niner fan, so I've learned to appreciate Lambeau and Green Bay and like, for people who outside that community, they'll never fully understand like that city. Uh, but I, I, you know, I've seen you engage in conversation on TV with other athletes of the opposing team. But how much of a trash talker were you? Because you were good. Zero. You were good. Very good. I never trash talked. If somebody came at you first, if somebody came at me first, I would definitely rebuttal. Yeah. But it never lingered because that was not my game. Yep. I tried to stay within who I was. I'm just not a trash talker. Sure. Now, ironically, if we change the sport to basketball, there you go. Oh my gosh, I talk the most trash yeah. ever. It's my first love. It's what I feel like I could have done, but I did. Yeah. So I almost feel like I have to talk it up more, or I don't know what it is. But football, you can say whatever you want. You line up right here. You gonna wish you hadn't said anything. That, that was just my mentality. Right. So I was gonna show you that, and then look at you in a disrespectful way, like, come again? Like, yeah. You you want to do it again? Come on, let's go. Like little subtle stuff like that. Did you throughout your NFL career? Did you feel appreciated coming out of college? The draft status. Obviously, you did extremely well in Green Bay, Minnesota. You did extremely well, and then kind of towards retirement, towards the end and stuff. But did you feel appreciated as an athlete? It's interesting because there's, I believe every athlete at some phase does not feel like they're appreciated to the level that they think they should be shown appreciation. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't care what sport, 
what level do you feel like that? For me, directly, I felt like I was appreciated at times, but I felt like I was underappreciated more often than not. And let's go to Green Bay. Yeah. The departure of Green Bay, right? I felt so unappreciated to where I allowed that to bring up all the things that I, it's like, oh, you don't love me anymore? You don't want me anymore? Well, I never liked you anyway. I don't know, I don't wanna be here. Knowing that if you would've loved me, shown me love, I would've never said that because I really do love you. I really wanna be here. And so that's, that's kinda how that situation played out. That's when I, going into my final year, I don't think I've ever said this to anyone. I told Mike McCarthy, I don't want to be a starter. Like I don't want to be announced at Lambeau. I don't want to be. I don't want to come out with the starters. I just want to go to the sideline because I felt like I had given so much to this organization, and all of a sudden, I I knew. I, I felt in my gut, in my heart, it wasn't going to work out the way that I would have loved for it to work out. So. I tried to guard myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna let these fans and this organization pump me up and fuel me when they want to. Like, I, I love the game of football. I'm just gonna go be me. I'm gonna just go play. I don't need to be announced. I don't need to be cheered for. I don't want any of that. Report the case. So, and Mike looked at me and was like, we're not doing that. And I was irate, I was hot, because I felt like I was trying to protect myself from my feelings being hurt. In all transparency and vulnerability in this moment, I was trying to protect myself from what I eventually had to experience. And uh, yeah, it's just... It's so funny, when I told people like we're gonna sit down and have this conversation, again, most of my Packer friends love still. Like, and there's a, there's a couple here and there like, well, he left going back to, well, I mean, you've addressed it several different interviews. You've talked about it here. For you, and you have, you know, we live in a social media world, right? And I don't know how much you pay attention to that. You're a little bit more active now with some of your motivational posts that you do on Instagram, which I absolutely love. But like a departure from Green Bay, people get to Twitter and the keyboard warriors just going off. I mean, do you pay attention to that? You just shut that out. Yeah, you see it. Yeah. Um, I've never been one to be really shifted and moved by what people say and, and what their opinions are because I, I'm I'm a firm believer in you have the right to feel the way you want to feel. Sure. Don't be mad at me yeah. for expressing how I feel though. Yeah. I'm not upset at you, but there there were some times and I never get in the back and forth with individuals. I don't know you. I don't know why you feel like that. And ultimately you don't really know me or I guarantee you if you did, you wouldn't even feel that way. It, because it would be more than football that you saw and that you recognized and that you were able to appreciate. So for me, I'm like, I can't blame him. Yeah. I'll be mad at you too, talking about my quarterback. That's still my quarterback and you're out of here now. Yeah, I'm a little bit pissed. Yeah. But not knowing the situation, That's the I can't get upset with him. Right. And naturally, I felt like that sometimes, how you don't really know the depth no one really knows the depth of how that played out with me in the organization. And I try to be as transparent as possible. Um, and I, I, like you just said, openly, I know I handled it the wrong way. I acknowledge that. I can't take that back. What I said I felt, 
And I, it was my belief. But I shouldn't have said it. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I own that. I'm a very. I look in the mirror. I self-reflect. I'm honest with myself. I can't move forward without being honest with like, come on, Greg. You know you're saying. Like I, I, that's just not who I am. Yeah. So it, 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 it ate at me. It ate at me. That's why I wanna I wanna see A Rod. I wanna sit down. I wanna be like, man, you know I love you. I was just hurt. I blah 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 blah. But ultimately, every baby has a right and to their own opinion and how they feel. I totally respect that. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Like you don't like me because of the one thing that I always correct when somebody comes up to me. You shouldn't have left. Well, I didn't leave. I didn't just say I'm leaving. It, it didn't work that way. Like I wasn't offered what I felt that I would deserve. And everybody else offered me more. Like, so I mean, what is that's like you having an occupation that you love. Yeah, you love this, but you have family decisions and, and you have business decisions that you have to make that will put you in a better situation. You don't want to leave that situation that you're in because you're comfortable in it, you, you're thriving in it, you can appreciate all of that. And everybody says, well, you chased the money. No, I chased the opportunity. I didn't chase them, I chased the better opportunity. And it wasn't just football that I thought about. Like everybody's like, oh, you left A-Rod. Yes, I knew that was going to suffer. I knew that. But ultimately, my family's in a better position. Yep. My wife is in a better position with her business. My kids are like, but no one, everybody just looked at football. And if I looked at football, come on now. Yes, I'm not disrespecting the Vikings. I love my time there. But the football situation, it made, it would have, if it was just solely about that, yeah. it would have made no sense to leave Green Bay to come to the Vikings. Right. Plus, I mean, had you gone to the Bills or the Dolphins or it something like that, they'd be like, no one cares. No, no one cares. As much. It's just like, yep. you pulled the Brett Favre over you, but they don't let you to be your own. So, um, you mentioned depth and money, and I, I think it's a, a good conversation piece because I think fans don't realize the depth that you people, that you athletes have as, as personalities, as people. Like, you're, you're more than just football, you mentioned that early on. So, they see a headline like, Jennings gets offered X from the Vikings, oh, he's a money chaser. Does it bother you that people don't sometimes see you as people and just like as an object on TV and their happiness wavers on how you do on Sunday? They don't care about anything else. And if you're being offered a bigger deal, they get mad at you for leaving. I mean, you're very well spoken, educated, obviously well versed in a lot of different ventures. We've heard LeBron talk about this before too, more than just an athlete. Mm -hmm. Do you think it'll ever change? No. It's, You're it's, just a dumb jock, right? Like, it's, the, it's not even that. It's the, the inability in that moment of the individual to put themselves in your seat, in your shoes. We, we all do it. We all immediately judge from based on what we see, what we've heard, but never really what we truly understand. Sure. In that, I get it. Yep. So you see, this, you see Greg go for the money and the contract, you don't under, in that moment you're thinking solely and selfishly, which is how you respond. Right. And on the flip side, I'm doing the same thing that you're doing. 
I'm thinking solely and selfishly because business-wise, I have to now think that way because the other side of the people who are sitting on, in the other seat are thinking business-wise, solely and selfishly about what it is they envision for their side of the business. I have to, in turn, do the same thing. We as people, we fall into that same trap of talking or blasting or blurting out something about somebody else's situation because we see it from our vantage point, our lens. But we never take time to try to consider I wonder what Brandon's dealing with. Yeah. I wonder why. Like, there's always a why. In those moments, no one considers the why. They just go with how they feel, and it blurts out. So, it's never going to change. Yeah, no. It's never going to change. It's a case in point, Simone Biles in the Olympics this year. When she made a decision not to compete, everybody all of a sudden said, well, you're a high-level athlete. You can't make that excuse. I don't think mental health is an excuse. Let's not say it's an excuse. Mental health is something you can't quantify. You, you can't say whether or not, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You have no idea. Everybody struggles with some level of mental health. Sure. I feel like what I've done, never knew it. I never knew it until I got into this sport of bodybuilding, how the wellness, health of it, health and wellness, my mental being was impacted when I didn't do it. Right. When I didn't train, when I didn't put myself in a position to where I was thinking of my health and wellness. It changed the way I reacted at home, how short-tempered, like I'm not a person that's quick-tempered, but I saw myself being short, like agitated, because I didn't get my training, I didn't get the training, I didn't get to really, really kind of take that time for myself and give myself what is needed every single day so that I can then, in turn, give those who are closest to me what they need from me to be my best self. Yeah. I can't do that if I don't consider me. Right. You know what I mean? It's your therapy. Yeah, so the small bio situation, yeah. Perfect example. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback, one of, the, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, I guess you'd say. Again, this is coming from a non-Packer fan, but where do where you, where you put him? Okay. This is obviously debatable. Tom Brady is the GOAT. He is a GOAT. I agree with that. I don't think there's any debating that. No. But when I say Aaron Rodgers is just simply the best quarterback, like, I feel like I shouldn't have to explain that because I have an experience that you just don't have. It's like, I remember going to Miami and the guys down there, they they had experienced Tom Brady forever. Yeah. So they, in their Tom Brady is simply the best quarterback in the game, blah, 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 blah. He has had the best success. He has accomplished the most. But when you think about the way the game is played, and I've said this, until we were introduced to Patrick Mahomes, prior to, you can take any quarterback in the league and their best assets and attributes and their skills and tools that they had, Aaron could do it. Aaron could do it. You can take Aaron and take any quarterback. Now this is free Patrick Mahomes. Sure. You can take Aaron and try to compare every quarterback and try to get him to do everything that he can do. They're, they can't do everything that he does. Simply. 
he was better. Yeah. He was, he, there is no other way I can explain it. Like, yes, he doesn't have the wins, but that's not solely on just him. Right. Like, it, and I get it, it's important in the grand scheme of GOAT talk. But if we're talking about the best quarterback, we're talking about the performance, the sure. athletic ability, the skill set, all of those things. Wins comes into play. Yep. But boy, wins and losses, we don't say Dan Marino was terrible. <laughs> no, we no. don't. No. We appreciate that. Right. We know how great Dan Marino was. He just could never win. As a Niner fan, I don't know what we're doing. But I don't know what we're doing. I don't know why you guys got me, but it is what it is. Uh, NFL is the only major sports where contracts are not fully guaranteed. Does it bother you? 100%. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. 100%. It's bullshit. I get there's contact, there's injuries, but there's injuries in basketball, in baseball. And these guys are being paid loads of money. Will that ever change? I think it will. And it's starting to. There have been some contracts that have some guys, particularly quarterbacks, right, if you're, that have been able to guarantee their entire contract. But it will not change in, in the entirety of the league until everyone starts to demand. Yeah. And it's hard when you're dealing with 53 guys on the roster and there's such a gap between you as a starting quarterback, you're yeah. top of the mountain. And I'm at the bottom of the mountain, and I'm like, well, I can't try to just, I can't strong arm anybody. I don't have that leverage. You can. Yeah. I need you to before I can, and then I need the people below you to be able to do it because you did it. Now the person on the team can do it. Now it just kind of trickles down until every quarterback does it and does not take a contract until it's fully guaranteed. Then every other position can start doing the same thing. Until that happens, no one will have Second, I'm trying to select the appropriate weapon. Uh, watch who you stepping. Them snakes all around, you know they connected. So count your days. Hold up, let me count the ways you gon' pay. When I spot you, I'm coming straight through to your face, no foreplay. Coming alive.
was the most intense man or woman in the gym during your playing days? Intense. I want to transition to the bodybuilding thing. I want to like yeah. talk about the, the, the way we lifted in the NFL versus the way you lift now is different. But like, who did you see in the gym like bad things? Bad things. Um, I mean, your old line probably could lift a ton. Yeah, there was. That's a great question. You can say you. No, it, was, it definitely <laughs> was not me. It definitely was not me. Was lifting enjoyable for you as a, as a football player? It was. You know what? Adrian. Okay. Adrian Peterson. Like, dude is just... We've heard that in Minneapolis. Stupid! Like, yeah, works. Like, like, when he works, he works. He just, just, it is impressive to see him work. And you always feel like, no one's going to outwork me. It's one thing to say it, yeah. it's another thing to actually live it and act it out. That was A B. That was A B. A B. Like that, that's what he did. Like and I worked hard, but I didn't do that. When you saw him then, were you like shit, I need to step up my game or you just like I'm gonna do me? I had to do me. Yeah. Because I know I wasn't doing that. <laughs> I'm just no. I was not signing up for all of that. I wasn't there. Um and, and so when you when you haven't established that baseline and you have like people look at me and thought, man, where it works out. There was a certain way I worked. Off-season transition weight lifting, especially when it came to um, your lower my lower body. This is a whole company. Man, I hate it. I hate the way that we go about it or they went about it, or they still some teams go about it in National Football League because our body is everything. Yeah. But the most important thing is how you perform when it comes to the NFL. So practice was the most important. They wanted you to live, but you better be available for practice. So it, it created the mentality in players, well, I can't go in here and squat 300 pounds, 400 pounds, and 225, or whatever it was. I can't run out in here. So you you slack off. You don't really slack off, but you, you back off. Yeah. So that you are fresher, backwards thinking, right, on the field because everybody outside of who's actually in the weight room and in the locker room is telling you, we need you on the field, we need you fresh, your legs look heavy. Well, that's naturally what happens yeah. when you train. But if I if I train, I promise I'll be prepared and more durable on the field. I promise. You just got to kind of back off on the field. So that my training can always stay above and the, on the field, it always is where it needs to be. But it was backwards and it still is in the National Football League. On the field performance is everything. And I get it, but there is no way your vehicle can perform if you don't maintain it, if you don't fuel it, if you don't give it the necessary things when it's not running to run correctly and with longevity. I'm assuming a lot of your stuff had to be speed, agility, explosiveness movements, right? Like I remember uh, a gym that I went to prior to this, Donnie and Curry, and Emerson Griffin worked out there and had his own trailer. He was working on speed and agility as a, as a defensive guy. Uh, versus now, you're lifting more for aesthetics, making sure you have symmetry. Uh, what do you, do you enjoy lifting more now because you are judged on it? Versus that or did they have their own separate they honestly have their own separate places. 
but I enjoy what I'm doing now more because I'm more intentional. I can I can slowly focus on the way I look, what it is that needs more attention, but without concerning myself with, with anything outside of that. Like with football, it's you're functionally training. So you're always thinking about what am I needing to do on the field, so let me do it in here. Here, it's all of what you need to do is in the gym. So when you go on the stage, you can present what you, what you were lacking, what your judge feedback was, whatever the case may be, but it all happens when nobody's looking at you. Nobody's judging you. You're constantly looking in the mirror or having a coach assess Okay, you gotta get your lats up. You gotta get your upper chest up. Blah, 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 blah. All these different things, and you just go to work. You work on it, you work on it, you work on it. Your field of play, your your practice field, everything is in the gym. Whereas in football, they were separate. You could do stuff in the gym, but it could possibly hurt you short term on the football field. Like, if I were to have a leg day, the way that I approach leg day now, and then go practice two hours later, we all know the significance of the drop-off that would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you train, if you get legs, and then somebody actually you legs, I'm done for the day. I'm not You're done! Yeah. You gotta let your body recover yeah. now. I'm done for two days. Three you gotta days. let your yeah. body recover. Where, think about trying to have that type of intensity, perform this type of workout, regimen and then two hours later after sitting in a meeting not really being able to eat the way you need to eat okay now you gotta go practice and the intensity of that is just as intense just different it's hard diet eating. i mean obviously as an athlete you they, they get you i remember going through i'm a badger fan so i remember going to the university of wisconsin and going through uh, their locker rooms and they showed us like the food that they give these kids and their was like peanut butter jelly sandwiches just like some high carb stuff or some stuff. I was like shocked to see it. Uh, but like for you, uh, you had to eat, you know, decent as a pro, right? But, like I'm probably not nearly as dialed in as you are on a bodybuilding prep when you're cutting and you're maybe feeling miserable. Was it difficult for you to adhere to a more strict form of diet? No. And yes, okay. I'm not gonna say yes and no. So in sport, in football, I can pretty much eat whatever I want. Sure. Fortunately for me, I'm not a sweets person, so I've never had that desire to just consume anything that you put up on me that was absolutely terrible. Um, I wasn't a big fast food person. I don't drink. So the issue that I had was, Greg, you gotta eat. Sure. Like, because you're in meetings, you're doing, and you just nibble, you just snack. So you just grab something and go. So it'll be a sandwich, it'll be whatever, PB&J, uh, bananas, fruit, whatever. So your caloric count is just, you're always in a deficit, you don't even know it. You don't even know it, because you're just, you're just operating. But they're trying to get you to eat more. They're trying to get yeah. you to eat more, but it's not, again, it's just like training. It's not the priority of the people who are really in control, which is general manager, the executive people in the front offices, and then the head coaches. Once it changes for them, and they see the priority being your nutrition, 
in your training versus the building. You gotta think about it. The field is always the priority. You don't have to shove it in my face. You don't have to shove it in my face. I know I need to perform. We all need to perform out here. You never have to tell me that that's a priority. I know that's what we do. That's why we're here. But you have to kind of guide guys and help them make sure that they can perform at the highest optimal level when it's time to be on the football field. But right now, we spend so much more time off the field. Why not educate us and teach us and really hammer that part, nutrition, sleep, and all of those things, it's not. Whereas in this field, you, I don't care how much you do, right, and how much you perform on the gym floor. That's the easy part. Yeah. This right here, when, I, when my coach from last year and a half ago when I first started, and he established my baseline at 3,000 calories. You were way below that. And I was at like 1,500 yeah. just naturally living life. Right. It was so extremely hard to consume that food. Yeah. 3,000 clean calories yeah. was a massive amount in that, at that moment. Now it's like, give me that. Yeah. Give me that. I want Just it. Because you, I've developed that intake, that caloric intake where my metabolism, man, I'll burn that right off. Right. I need that. So it's, it's just a little backwards yeah. in sport. And the guys who get it, like LeBron, like Brady, we see yeah. because they have the longevity. They, not, they are not willing to compromise those moving parts. Talk to me about the decision to go into this field, uh, bodybuilding, because I've seen you in the gym a lot, and I, so I, was, I said this earlier, I come from the professional wrestling world, that's what I really want to do, so like, I'd be around celebrity status people all the time, I'd see them, and people would be, you can see people see them, and I'd be like, I'm like, to me, like, yeah, great, just human being, right? But like, so I'd see you in here, and I had no idea you were actually on prep, uh, until when you came to our booth at the show, and you're like, shit, I got a show in like three weeks, and you're sampling our photos, I'm like, all right, cool, like, what are you doing? But like, the decision to do bodybuilding, like, what was, did you have experience with bodybuilding outside the gym for football, prior to making the choice to do it? I did not. I had no understanding, no, no knowledge of this brand. My wife ran a marathon, okay. not a runner, didn't know she was even signed up for a full marathon. I thought she was signed up for a half. Found out about three months before the marathon. Check the run city. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And she spent about 20 minutes in the bathroom. And then she said, well, I got to do it. Yeah. She ran this marathon, 20 minutes marathon, a couple years ago. And as she was running across the finish line, under her time that she had desired, sure. I was like, dude, what are you gonna do? Because it was so outside the like the box of the box. Right. For her, she she hates to run. And now all of a sudden, she did something just to mentally challenge herself to see if she can commit to it. That's what motivated me to do this. I wanted to, I remember going to work, traveling, and I was in one of the little stores in the airport. I saw men's health magazine and muscle and fitness when they did have the magazine. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I want to be on the cover of one of those. But I want my physique to look like that. Right. I don't want it to be airbrushed. Yeah. How can I get that? And I came back from that work trip in search of uh, 
a bodybuilding coach. All, all my research I was doing, YouTube and everything, and that's when it started. November 4th, 2019, I started, I started my journey. It's been impressive. I mean, you chose men's physique, which is a great choice for you. Uh, talk to me about posing, because that's not necessarily athletic, right? Like, I'm sure you probably struggled with it like I did. Uh, maybe you felt a little weird. Uh, we're in the posing room now. We can't, we can't be up here not talking about it. How bad were you? Terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so first and foremost, I I don't know why I have this phobia of being shirtless. Oh, really? I've always done it. I, you see me at the pool, even at my house. I'm in a long sleeve shirt, vacations. I thought you wide were like, you know, you like, like the, the, the nah, boot, jerseys. Never been me. Never been me. Never been me. Uh, okay. Never had the jersey where you can see the wall. No, not me. And I started to pose. And I just remember, like, my check-ins. And when I look at them now, my first, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so many of them, so many, this community is so beautiful because they don't just talk bad about you. They're like, hey man, maybe, maybe I can help you out with some of your posing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's their way of saying, your posing stinks, yeah. it sucks. And that's what I was getting all the time. But I didn't know how important it was. Because I was trying to dial in just the food, the nutrition, the training, the actual functional pieces of it. I didn't see that as a functional piece. Like, oh man, I'm trying to learn how to sleep, make sure I get my sleep, my water intake, my food intake, and get my workout in. You want me to, you want me to learn how to do all that? I'll, I'll, I'll do that later. Yes. Literally, could you not? Three weeks before I was gonna compete, I had never really posed outside of just checking. You're talking about the show, like <laughs> Mr. Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. And. <laughs> I, I was in a I was in a barber shop, right choice, in Robbinsville, and I saw someone who worked over. I didn't know him, James. He works at uh, Franklin. Okay. And loud and oh, James. I know James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When yeah. I say loud, everybody, loud. everybody, everybody knows yeah. James. Yeah. He's like, man, you need you know my boy Monte yeah. Bailey. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Well, you don't know Monte Bailey. I'm like, I don't you know. Got the and I connected with Monte, and he just started teaching me how to pose over FaceTime. This is like three weeks from the show, so yeah. it was still terrible going into the show. I just fortunately had a decent physique to wear and stage presence, which all of these things I'm learning about, yep. didn't know anything about anything, but I learned how to pose and I know the importance of it, but I just felt so awkward. I couldn't. They're like, just treat it like you're dancing. And I'm like, I can't. I, I, it's like I lost all sense of coordination, athletic ability. Like I couldn't just pivot to that. It's like, what? How do you, wait, do that again? Like, yeah. I was putting up the wrong hand. Like I would be, I would be on this side instead of being like this, I'm like this. And they're like, wait, you gotta, and I'm like, oh shoot. It was just all bad. Yes. And now I'm getting better, but it's something that you will never, it's kind of like golf, you'll never really perfect it. You'll always find a way, that's what I mean, that's what I love about this sport. Yeah. You're gonna always find a way to tweak something to improve it, and that's what got me I think if you're a non-competitor, or you've never done posing before, it's one thing, the coordination. 
but the muscular dirt that Ooh. takes the multiples, like it's it was harder for me than any card. You know I mean, I was spent after a session of practice. After literally moments of just trying to pose hard and breathe and just keep your core tight. I remember the first time Monte was taking me through it, and I'm like, wait, hold on. I just kept going in and out. He's like, you gotta hold it. I'm like, I hold on, hold on. And I, I struggled saying, I can't. This was like the first time I can't became consistent out of my mouth. Dude, I can't. Like, I gotta breathe. I couldn't breathe and contract and hold and breathe through your chest versus through your abdominal. I, I was like, what? And even to date, I just, I just got done completing it. Posing all the way up throughout. And just to pose for three, four, five minutes straight of just in it. You get done, and I'm like, yeah. okay. Like, it's like, like you mentioned, right. it's worse than any cardio, it's more fatigue, it's, but it's, it's like, so necessary. So Very necessary. necessary. You can win or lose a show based on those. Absolutely. Well, so you're, two shows in your belt, two victories, right? Just recently, can we call you Mr. Universe? Right? Is that like yeah, natural, like yeah. men's disease, natural, natural Mr. Universe as of like two days ago? Yeah. Uh, so two for two, then what's next at this point? I mean, you, you, boom, boom. I'm assuming you're not done. I'm not done. Not this year, not yet. So next is the Natural Olympia. That was kind of the plan yep. going into this season. Um, after I won my pro card, my first year, this year, really just setting a few dates competitions and being the best that I could possibly be to win, period. Let's, let's, I'm a competitor. Yeah. Like I'm in it for the looks and all that. That's great. I'm in it to win it. Like I'm not nasty if I don't. But winning it for me, I had to learn was more than just walking away with a first place trophy. It was walking away feeling good about the physique that I just presented and did I beat my last stage physique. That's what I've had to learn. Like, no, like, you know you have a good physique, but is it better than what I was presenting the last time? That's winning. And ultimately, the first, second, third, whatever place, it matters, sure. but it's not the most important thing. It is, it, it carries a level of importance. But man, for me, the Natural Olympia, it, it, was, it was a goal last year that I crossed off because I just wasn't ready. Yep. And Monte had to give me that real talk, like, nah, you, you, you're not ready for that. Yep. And I appreciated that because for the first time in my life, I should say for the first time in my life, that's how I thrive. Mm -hmm. With somebody being real and raw, like, as an athlete, that's, yeah, that's the only way I can grow. Don't tell me, hey, you look great, man. I know that. Yeah. Like, I know that already. Tell me you look great. But if you want to take it to the next level, you need to improve this. You need to give me some feedback, some real substance. That's what Monte's been able to do for me. So we're going for the natural in the field. Next year? Sure? No, this year. Oh, remember. I got yeah, 10 weeks, baby. Let's go. It's around the corner. It's like a month after the, the Olympia yes. and then the natural Olympia. That's yeah. right. Is it, where's that this year? It's in Vegas. Vegas. That's awesome. They kept theirs in Vegas. Yeah. That'll be exciting. It is. I mean, that's like, so you just did. Mr. Diverse, which was a completely different level of competition, I think, than what you had to do yes. locally, right? Now you're going to take the next step. Exactly. And, and so you're going to really learn kind of where you're at with the big 
big boys. Um, so this sport, you can go the natural route, you can go the NPC route. Yeah. You chose natural, which totally understand it. What uh, people come at you and somebody only gets a bad rep from the outsiders, right? Because be real, there are, there is use in the untested organizations. It happens. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Because in football, you're drug tested. Yep. You're yep. drug tested. Yep. With what you do, yep. um, they make you take, I believe, a lie detector test and a polygraph yep. and, and uh, urine test. Right. right. Um, what's your thoughts on the untested organizations? You know, I don't judge it. I really don't because I know the work that yeah. you still have to put in. Like I get it. Like. It, it, is it is there an advantage? Yeah, mm -hmm. but everybody knows that. Okay, this is untested. Right. So I can do. You, you're they're basically giving everybody the same opportunity. Right. Some take advantage of it. Some don't. Some probably take it to the extremes oh. that they shouldn't. Yeah. But I don't judge that because everybody feels like they know what they want to do and need to do for them right. to be successful or to get the look that they're facing. For me, I chose the natural side of things because I just, I'm 37 years old. Kids. Kids. Like, I, I, I don't want to concern myself with how functional I will be in my latter years and because of decisions that I made to appease this small window of my life. Yep. That's my personal take on it. However, natural or not natural, you gotta work. Like, I don't care what, if you're not natural, you can take whatever you wanna take. If you don't choose to do that and do this, it doesn't matter. It, it literally doesn't matter. So once I really wrapped my head around that, I was like, I mean, hey, it's each his own. Don't be upset at me because I want to choose. I choose to be natural. Why should I be upset with you? Yeah. Because you chose to do something for you. So I think it's great, man. With for everything in moderation, I just I hate to see like some of the things that happen. Yeah. I see some of the guys who choose not to yeah. do it with the right moderation yeah. or monitoring, and it's unfortunate. But that's just that's life. That's life. You know, you can go to the extreme. You know the risks. This is beyond bodybuilding what I'm talking about. And some go beyond. Yep. They, their, the consequences are there. We all know. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of my take on Talk about your home life for a second with being on prep. Um, your, your wife did a marathon, so she's obviously training, different type of training. Uh, yes. She obviously has still a diet, different type of diet. Then there's you, which is the other extreme. I mean, very extreme. Yeah, we can attest to it. How is your family taking to you and being carb depleted, depleted, tired, worn down. So, I'm a transparent individual, yeah? So I'm about to be very transparent. So initially, my wife's concerns were, okay, so your testosterone levels are gonna go down and you're not gonna have the same sexual drive. Okay. And all these concerns she had, and I'm like, I'll be good. She still loves you. Exactly, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll be good, I'll be fine. Like, don't worry about right. it. You're gonna, well, they say that you're gonna be short, you're gonna be short tempered, and blah, blah. I'm an even keel individual. Just naturally, that's who I am. And my kids, they kind of started watching this process, and I thought it was beautiful, man. It was a learning experience for them, an opportunity for them to see me start something and finish it, yep. and execute throughout. That's kind of the example as parents that we want to set for our kids, exactly. right? So, 
this process is happening, I, I am not one to push anything that I do on anyone. My kids start, Daddy, can I eat the way you eat? Really? They started jumping in, in and out, whenever they wanted to. My daughter wanted me to then start training her. It was kind of turning out by like exactly how I wanted. I wanted to become a resource for my family and to kind of set them up, but I didn't want to push them into it. And so for me, it was, the first year was, it was tough because my wife was on the schedule, I was on the schedule, and I had to prep, I had to, I was cooking for the family, I was doing everything, and it was like overwhelming because I had no rhythm, I didn't have any type of, like, I just didn't have it down. Now I have it down, I got everything laid out for the week, it's seamless, or as seamless as possible, but it was a struggle because I'm going to sleep because I want to get between that seven to nine hours of sleep. My wife's still up. She's like, she's mad at me because I'm asleep and she's up and she wants to be active. Yep. And I'm like, um, I have no energy. Yep. And I just, and there's this lack of interest. And it's not that I am not attracted to you or I don't want you. It's just, I'm, I'm tired. Yep. Like, I mean, you can't even explain. And it's such a weak excuse. It does. It is a real thing. Yeah. And we had to work through that. And I'm like, baby, you got to kind of work with me. You're like, you're in the bath for like an hour. Yeah, you got scheduled for like 2 p.m. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, come on, come on. Let's go early yeah. in the day. <laughs> I did it by 7 8. We got to be like this time. For sure. That's and so that was, that was the initial, like, biggest roadblock. Road like, just our intimate, our physical intimacy, right? But for me, in prep, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a very self-assessing, uh, reflecting individual. So if there was a day that I was short with the kids or um, I was, I'm not, I don't really, I don't yell. My kids, everybody, but if I do, my voice gets like up there like, what are you doing? Sure. Like that happens, I leave, I come back and I'm like, Daddy, sorry. Daddy, look, I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm able to really recognize me and yeah. see me for how they're probably seeing me like, Daddy, and I don't want you to blame it all on prep because it's, what I'm saying that still has validity. Like, you shouldn't do what I just said, but I shouldn't have said it the way sure. I said it. So I'm able to really assess that and kind of nip it yeah. when it happens so it doesn't turn into a big deal. But I'm not one of those spiky up and downs. I'm still pretty even feel. I get quiet. I'll just go, get my food, eat it, go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't deal with the dog right now. I can't deal with this right now. I just got daddy just has to eat. And they kind of know like, okay. And it's, and it's, it, it, it hurts sometimes because when I want to be, I'm a very present individual. So I want to be outside with kids. I want to be active. But I had to learn how to do it in spurts. And when you're in deep prep, being outside in the sun, and especially as hot as it was this yeah. this summer, like I just didn't have it. I just didn't have it. And I, I'm like, okay, daddy can come outside and throw the football a couple of times. And then I gotta go in the house, I gotta eat, and I gotta sit down. You know what I mean? Like the priority has to still be there if you're really wanting to achieve what what we all want, which is success in this in this field. So let's finish the podcast with this. Like, what's been the biggest life lesson that this sport has taught you that 
Good. Nothing else is fine. That everyone's path to health, wellness, and fitness is unique. But the one thing that remains super consistent, super constant across the board is your commitment to whatever that path is, that journey is for you. Like if you're unwilling to commit to it, you're really not willing to get the harvest that you're saying you're sowing the seeds for. No, you're gonna literally, we're all, our lives, we're always sowing a seed in the ground. And what presents itself is what you sow, period. Like, if you're upset with the way you look or you're frustrated about whatever your life is, you did it to you. We can look at all the outside influences, but ultimately, we make the decision to change or not to change, which will change then the results that we see that we really want, but we don't want. So it's possible. That was that was and I also huge. This is this is not just the plug. The freaking fist butters are crap. Right. Yeah. Well that's why you can't you can't touch them. And that brought you some. Oh you my god. I might take it home now. I did see the burger you ate last night. Oh what we do? Oh man, the salted caramel pretzel. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take credit for both your victories. I think that uh, the players had a lot to do with it. Let me tell you something. I kid you not. True story. And I told you this. I was on the plane yeah. when we were like going back and forth. I literally had my buddy go to the high beam. Like, I just wanna. Like, I need, I need the salted caramel. Like, I just want to make a PB&J with it. I had never done it, but I'm like, that was one of my to-dos. To make a PB&J. To make a PB&J on bread with, with the salted pretzel caramel. Like, I wanted that crunch. I just, and I couldn't do it because somebody had stopped. <laughs> no, Brian, that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> uh, I love it. I got stuff for you here, 10 weeks out. We're going to call you Mr. Olympia at that point, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Kill it. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Let's enjoy that conversation with Greg Jennings. Again, former NFL wideout, Super Bowl champion, stud of an athlete for sure, and now transitioning to being a stud bodybuilder as well. I'm happy for Greg. It'll be cool to see if he transitions over to NPC. And we talked about it you know, in the podcast a little bit because, or, or maybe even talked about it after the podcast, um, but making that into... Um, you know, you're going to MPC because he's a natural athlete. He does not plan or have any intention on taking anything. So is it an even playing field for Greg? The answer is no, but he's got obviously a lot going for him. He's got work ethic. He's got competitive nature. He's got genetics. I think Greg in the men's physique category, you know, on a regional, semi-regional um, level could do very, very well. Now, if he went to a national show like the Mr. Olympia, um, there it might be a little bit difficult. But he is going to natural Mr. Olympia here in 10 weeks. Very excited for Greg. Appreciate Greg's time. If you guys like what you heard here on this, on this podcast, hit that subscribe button where you're watching on YouTube, listening via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever the podcast platforms are. Make sure you check us out on all of our social media channels. We're at Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. This is the Iron Union Podcast, fitnessinformant.com. I am the one and only. Well, I'm not going to go that far. I am Fitness Informant founder and CEO, Ryan Buck. I greatly appreciate your time today. I uh, hope you guys learned a thing or two from my conversation with Greg. I, know I sure did. Be informed, live fit, hang loose, and let's fucking go. Oh, my God.